Morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Pacific and PNG update, and uh, to day two uh, of that update. Uh, if you weren't here yesterday, uh, my name is Stephen Howes. I'm the director of the Development Policy Center, uh, the host for uh, this update. Uh, and uh, as we did yesterday, let's begin by acknowledging the first Australians, the traditional owners on whose lands we meet, the Ngunnawal people, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. Uh, well, it's great to see so many people back uh, for day two. And uh, I don't have much to say in general terms about the day, except that obviously today we're focusing on PNG. Uh, we've got some really good presentations uh, for you. We have slightly fewer presentations so that we speakers will have a bit more time uh, to uh, get their points across. So, and I hope we'll have more time for discussion as well. But uh, I think the first day was very good, and I'm sure today uh, will be just as good. Um, we do have the uh, keynote address uh, for, uh, well, it's for today, but it's, in a way it's for the whole, uh, whole conference, um, which will be delivered by the University of Papua New Guinea Vice-Chancellor. Uh, but I'm uh, delighted to uh, introduce to you the chair uh, for that session and to have here uh, Professor Marnie Hughes-Warrington, who is our Deputy Vice-Chancellor. And, uh, you know, it's no secret that I'm very keen to uh, build up more links with UPNG, and uh, for we're trying to do that in the economics area. And uh, so I was very happy we had the vice chancellor last night at the dinner, and I'm delighted, Marnie, you've been able to come along this morning. So I'll hand over to you. Thank you. It's my honour to be able to chair the session and to introduce our speaker, who is Professor Mallam, the vice chancellor of the University of Papua New Guinea. He's been Vice-Chancellor there for six months and prior to that was the Dean of Business at the University of Papua New Guinea. Tells me that he's also taught in India uh, and up in Scandinavia, but of course he's a graduate of ANU, PhD in Psychology, as well as other graduate uh, qualifications, so eminently qualified. What makes a, a great Vice-Chancellor at a time like this is a man like Professor Mallam who stands up and says, we're either going to do nothing or we're going to do something. There's a lot of something that needs to be done in higher education, not just in Australia, but in many places of the world. And in New Guinea, I'm aware that there is very much to be done. I asked Professor Mallon a couple of minutes ago when it is he has time to sleep. He smiled beautifully, like every well-trained Vice-Chancellor, and said, I do have sleep, but I also teach. And he teaches every week, his students, and does so to remind himself about why it is we're here in higher education and says it's a tremendous stress relief to come back in contact with the students who are, of course, the future not only of business and society and culture, but the future of the sector itself. So it's a great pleasure for me, and I'm very much looking forward to hearing this keynote address. We think our problems are big in Australia. Well, maybe they might be small by reflection, but I think that we share an opportunity to work together on making sure that the future of higher education, and in fact, all levels of education, is stronger and that there is more opportunity around the world. So it's my pleasure to invite you forward, Professor Mellon, to deliver the keynote address. Thank you, uh, Deputy Vice-Chancellor of the Australian National University, uh, and good morning uh, <clears throat> to all the uh, participants of uh, this very important uh, conference on uh, Pacific and uh, uh, PNG update. Uh, for me personally, it's uh, it's nice to come back to uh, Canberra and 
and to ANU, uh, but more interestingly, uh, on a cold winter. <laughs> uh, and might I also add, on, a, on when I arrived, it was a historical uh, day for uh, Australian politics as well. Uh, chains of uh, prime ministers, but not chains of governments as we do in PNG. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I'm happy uh, uh, to be able to share with you uh, some of the uh, reforms uh, uh, that we are undertaking uh, in the higher education sector in PNG. And I'm putting the word update in brackets uh, because for some of you, uh, it'll be new uh, uh, insight into uh, the higher education sector in PNG. And for others who uh, have a close uh, uh, relationship with Papua New Guinea and uh, in particular the higher education sector, it'll be an update. The outline of my uh, presentation is simply looking at our context, in this case, PNG context, setting the scene uh, for the, um, the higher education reform uh, that we are undertaking at the present time. Uh, the education sector has uh, uh, undergone reforms in various ways since the 1990s. But in the higher education sector, uh, uh, the thinking behind the reforms is basically in the last three, four years. And that's what I'm going to uh, uh, share with you today. Uh, and also focus uh, on uh, uh, UPNG as a, as a case uh, to see how we relate uh, to this uh, uh, change process that's taking place uh, in the higher education sector in, 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 in Papua New Guinea. Might I also add, whilst I have the opportunity, uh, is that this rep uh, the reforms that's taking place uh, in the higher education sector uh, is the brainchild of uh, uh, some of the recent graduates uh, who uh, have uh, uh, received their degrees uh, especially PhDs and masters in European universities, um, the uh, American universities, and of course, uh, uh, Australian universities. Uh, so the thinking behind the reforms basically reflect those pool uh, of uh, uh, cohort that have come out of uh, uh, the, uh, the universities in in, in various countries and also not forgetting that there are few who have uh, obtained their PhDs and masters in Papua New Guinea. So it's really a, a homegrown uh, uh, reform anchored on what we know about uh, the global trend uh, in higher education around the world. I'm used to this. <laughs> now, the, uh, uh, the thinking behind the uh, uh, reforms in the higher education sector uh, is attributed to a number of uh, considerations. 
Uh, and one of those uh, that many of you know uh, is the work done by uh, Namaliu and Gano, Namaliu Gano report uh, that uh, looks at the higher education sector in PNG. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, the, the uh, government uh, uh, development plans uh, in, the, uh, in the last five years or so, Vision 2050, uh, followed by the Strategic Development Plan 2010, 2030, Medium Development Plan, and sectoral plans, and an interesting yearly uh, uh, plan, which is more a political uh, uh, impression of plans. Uh, we call it the uh, Alatau Accord. It's simply because the current government was formed in, uh, in a place called Alatau in the Milan Bay province of the uh, southeastern part of Papua New Guinea. Uh, and of course, the higher education plan. Uh, let me uh, focus on the uh, Alata Accord, and uh, I'll get back to that later. Uh, government requires all sector every year uh, to identify three impact projects uh, and to anchor that within budget. And so for the higher education sector, uh, uh, we have, uh, for this year, identified three uh, important projects for us. Uh, the first one is uh, recapitalization, maintenance of the infrastructure of the universities in PNG. Uh, the second one uh, is the linkage between uh, higher education sector and technical vocational education. Uh, we want to strengthen that. And interestingly enough, uh, a national open university for, for Papua New Guinea. Uh, so, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's been our thinking uh, in the higher education sector this year. Now, the Vision 2050 uh, is an interesting blueprint uh, in that it talks about uh, Papua New Guinea being a smart, wise, and smart, wise, fair, and happy society by 2050. Uh, and uh, the, the fundamental question is uh, where are we uh, going? We want to be ranked in the top 50 uh, countries in, the, uh, in terms of the United Nations Index by 2050. Uh, and uh, what will we do to get there? Uh, and so it's, 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 it's supported by several, uh, seven pillars. Uh, which logically gives us a framework uh, to arrive at uh, a smart, wise, fair, and happy society by 2050. Uh, let, let me take a uh, uh, deviation here and just stress that uh, 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 this uh, blueprint uh, is homegrown in the sense that uh, it is Papua New Guinea thinking into we didn't have uh, any expatriates, uh, except for two Indian professors that we felt would make a, a contribution uh, into uh, driving that uh, uh, vision for the country. And I might add uh, one of the architects of this uh, plan is with us here this morning, uh, Professor Billy Manoka, who is going to uh, speak later. We've got a lot of criticism and 
that's healthy. Uh, we appreciate that uh, because it is true criticism that you begin to refine your ideas, uh, refine your thoughts about how you want to uh, uh, deal with a nation and its development. Uh, we're not dealing with organizations here, but we're talking about a nation. Uh, the other important point is that at least for the first time after many, many years since independence, Papua New Guinea has got a comprehensive plan. It might not be a perfect plan, but it lays a framework to allow us to think through the development issues that uh, we confront uh, in Papua New Guinea. And the critical one for the higher education sector, which apart from the, uh, uh, you know, the Namalugano report and various other reports uh, about the higher education sector uh, that has triggered this reform in the higher education sector is the human uh, development, gender, youth and people empowerment. Uh, that is where higher education sector is uh, uh, embedded in. Uh, that's our contribution to nation building. Uh, but of course, there are manifestations of higher education across the other sectors as well. Uh, wealth creation uh, is, is important. Uh, if you want to create wealth uh, uh, for a nation, you've got to be educated. Uh, and, uh, and so you find that across. But this was, the Division 2050 was, was an important trigger for for, uh, for the reforms in the higher education sector and to allow us to begin to think, think about the, um, uh, uh, the reforms in the higher education sector, at least in the last four years. I don't need to uh, talk about uh, that because I've just gone through that. The other important consideration uh, that laid the foundation <coughs> in thinking uh, and the framework in driving the, uh, the reform agenda in the higher education sector in, in Papua New Guinea is uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the external factors that have saved higher education sector thinking or higher education reforms in other, other countries. Uh, for example, the impact of globalization, uh, <coughs> issue, issues of access, uh, where we find in the PNG experience that uh, uh, spaces uh, uh, in the higher education sector is uh, scarce, scholarships are, are not many, unlike uh, the days when I, uh, I, I uh, wrote my uh, graduate uh, uh, studies. Uh, the other in uh, interesting challenge is uh, the mobility of students. Uh, the borders are open, ICT has provided a platform for uh, Papua New Guinea students, for example, do not even go to uh, high-ranking universities, for example, to ANU. They don't have to be physically present in those universities, but they can do graduate studies online. That will have an impact on the sector in PNG. Uh, of course, the issue of teaching, learning, and curricular innovation at the core of what we are as, uh, as a university or as universities uh, and uh, we subsume within that uh, the range of issues that uh, uh, thus have an impact on how we uh, uh, frame our teaching methodology and curriculum development. And a, and a critical one uh, that uh, uh, 
uh, for us in PNG is the Asian century. Uh, uh, everywhere you go, uh, uh, we hear uh, that uh, the Asian century uh, is going to shape the way we do business for, for quite some time, uh, for a century. Uh, and so the challenge then for us in terms of thinking through uh, the foundations of uh, a reform agenda for PNG is to place ourselves in that context and see where the force of change uh, uh, will, uh, will uh, impact uh, the uh, the education system in PNG and in particular the higher education uh, sector. And so the challenge of creating Papua New Guinea uh, uh, PNG educated population with a regional and global mindset uh, is absolutely critical for us. Uh, uh, one of the interesting uh, thing about this is a couple of weeks ago I, I talked about uh, creating Papua New Guineans with an Asian mindset is so fundamental uh, because of the volume of business uh, coming into uh, the PNG. So that's, that's, that's interesting in terms of not just education, but uh, commerce and trade, um, uh, exchange of people uh, become so important uh, for, for PNG. So that became the foundation in which we, 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 we went about trying to build a structure for the reform agenda in, in PNG. Now, the, as I said, the higher education sector pillar uh, is the human uh, capital development, gender, youth, and uh, people empowerment. That is where we anchored most of our reform thinking. And fundamental in this reform thinking is the basic structure of the higher education sector in PNG. Uh, there's a link uh, from, from, the, uh, from government, National Executive Council, right down to the universities. Uh, it's a two-way link, uh, and that's where we, we were thinking about the first trigger in terms of reform. Do we have a, uh, 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 a convoluted structure? Can we reform the structure uh, to allow for efficient uh, delivery of service in the higher education sector? There is some thinking uh, uh, at the present time, uh, for example, uh, to replace the Commission of Higher Education, Science and Technology. Uh, and, just, and instead of having an Office of Higher Education, Science and Technology, we have a Department of uh, Higher Education, Science and Technology. Uh, so that you don't have, if you like, the middleman uh, in terms of the politics of higher education uh, within the commission. Uh, and so that, that's one thinking uh, in, in that reform. Uh, the director general, who is a very uh, good friend of mine and uh, very close, we teach in the, in the same uh, uh, school, uh, is having uh, an interesting challenge trying to... Uh, trying to uh, find the best solution uh, to facing out this structure. Uh, there's another uh, important uh, reform within this structure uh, uh, that I, I can update uh, uh, you on, on or for those who know the, UP, uh, the PNG higher education sector. 
uh, is the budgetary cycle. And uh, uh, in the past, the universities submit their budget directly to government. Right? And then over time, what's happened is that the budget process now goes through the higher education uh, sector, through those two structures, to the ministry uh, and to, to government. And especially, uh, especially the PIP, what we call the Public Investment uh, uh, Program, uh, as opposed to the recurrent structure, uh, recurrent budget structure. Uh, we think uh, uh, we could do uh, without that structure. We, we feel that it would be efficient if the higher education sector has a take on just the PIP uh, because it involves all universities, and we have seven universities in, in PNG and uh, a number of higher education institutes. Uh, so uh, we can run the uh, PIPs through the uh, Office of Higher Education so that they become the independent arbitrator in terms of uh, preventing universities fighting over uh, the development budget, whereas the recurrent grant is really university-specific or institution-specific. Uh, they are based and framed on the needs uh, and challenges that each university confronts. Uh, 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 so, uh, yes, the important point here is that we're looking at debt structure, uh, the linkage between university and the, uh, you know, if you like, the political structure. Uh, and there will be some changes. Uh, we have some uh, strong views about reforming that structure, uh, even to the extent that the Minister for Education, not the Minister for Higher Education, made a, a formal uh, announcement <coughs> in one of the gatherings uh, referring to the Director of Higher Education as the Secretary of Higher Education. So I'm not too sure what uh, that, that means. The, the Minister probably knows something that I don't, I don't know. Let me just uh, go back uh, and also give you some figures that will also set the, uh, uh, the, the context in terms of, of the challenges. Uh, this uh, raw data uh, gives you some idea of the, uh, sorry, yeah, uh, number, yep, number of uh, school graduates by exit point. And the one in red uh, is important because we have uh, these are uh, students who, if they meet the admission requirement, uh, uh, can apply directly to the university. So we have something in the order of about uh, 15,000 <coughs> students uh, uh, coming out of our grade 12 uh, uh, systems uh, in, in PNG. And the university can only, all universities put together can only absorb no more than 4,000. So that gives you some idea of uh, uh, the thinking behind the reforms. Uh, and one of the thinking behind the reforms is do we need an open and flexible program structure to reach the masses of our students? So that's, that's a challenge. Uh, another set of figure uh, is that of all the universities put together, uh, that's the number of graduates that uh, uh, we, uh, we, uh, we, we put out every year. Uh, on average of the seven universities, about 800 odd students graduate uh, across this, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the seven universities. 
of which uh, the University of Papua New Guinea continues to uh, 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 produce the largest number of graduates, uh, about 1,700 of the, of the uh, 4,200. And to give you some idea in terms of uh, the disciplines, uh, and that has some bearing on uh, our thinking in the reforms, is that uh, the lowest number of graduates, about 2%, uh, makes up the low graduate. Uh, and uh, teacher education makes up the uh, makes up about 20, 29%, uh, followed by business education, 23%, and in between you have engineering and other social sciences. Yeah. So we are faced with a very difficult challenge. The uh, the number of students, uh, numbers of students coming out of the uh, the uh, the great wall system will continue to increase, uh, as as you as as, as you know. Uh, because government uh, has invested on uh, free education uh, at that sector, not so much the higher education sector, so uh, the figures are going to be very interesting in the next uh, couple of uh, years in terms of uh, number of students coming through. Uh, the uh, the uh, Great Wall system and uh, the, the seven universities absorb uh, uh, the capacity to absorb the, uh, absorb the number of students uh, coming through uh, Great Wall. So, what do we do? Uh, now, at a, <clears throat> at, a, at a micro level, the current reforms in the higher education sector has focused on uh, a number of uh, uh, considerations. The Higher Education and Technical Education Bill uh, 2013 uh, an act, uh, uh, changes in the acts of the universities, and of course the higher education plan. Uh, the next Part of my presentation will just focus on the higher education uh, plan because that's where you will see the thinking behind the reforms. Uh, but let me just make a couple of uh, quick remarks. Uh, one of the things about changes in the acts of the universities uh, uh, that I find uh, uh, very, very pleasing as the vice chancellor uh, is that uh, uh, the public universities in, in, in PNG have very big council. Uh, sizes. Uh, uh, the University of Papua New Guinea has about 35 uh, council members uh, and, uh, and for those who sit in uh, boards or uh, university councils uh, you know you can you, you will know appreciate what I mean if 35 people are uh, all talking about an agenda uh, then it will take forever <laughs> to, uh, to, to finish the uh, uh, meeting and yes we, we have uh, 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 set records at the University of Papua New Guinea uh, uh, for example, a couple of uh, uh, last year, uh, the council meeting uh, 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 was conducted a total of two days. And, uh, why I'm saying two days is because they started at nine o'clock and didn't finish until about 1.30 the next day. So uh, uh, the good thing about this act is that a couple of us, without naming names, have focused specifically on the provision that governs the number of uh, Councillors uh, in, uh, in in university council, and so I'm pleased to report in terms of one of the reforms, the University of Papua New Guinea has reduced its uh, council size from 35 to 12. And the the chancellor uh, about three weeks ago, uh, uh, more than three weeks ago, uh, in a standing committee of council, uh, sort of informed council members that uh, uh, come November. Uh, we will dissolve council and the vice chancellor can then have his take on on uh, on uh, uh, 
uh, establishing the new council. And so and it'll be different uh, uh, because of a number of things. Now, let me talk about the intent of the, um, uh, the higher education plan. And that uh, there will be some comments again in, in relation to the council. Uh, we want to transform the tertiary uh, uh, education, research and development uh, through quality assurance and innovation. We think uh, we, it's a very big challenge for us. And so what are some of the key strategic issues uh, the plan seeks to address? And I'm not going to go through all of them, but uh, just point out to you some of the uh, challenges. Uh, the insufficient uh, government funding to the sector, uh, limited opportunities to increase access. Uh, all universities in PNG are suffering from uh, 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 insufficient government funding to the sector. That's probably one of our biggest challenges. Uh, governments in uh, uh, developing nation, including Papua New Guinea, has, uh, have many priorities, and unfortunately, the higher education sector is not uh, number one priority. So that's, uh, that's been a challenge. Poor infrastructure, maintenance and development. Uh, we have ICT challenges, capacity to house students and pressure to, uh, uh, to enroll students beyond capacity. Uh, poor salaries, and conditions of academic and professional staff. You know, high turnover of uh, staff, uh, success and planning, aging workforce, uh, loss of confidence by stakeholders in university governing bodies, uh, size and tenure of council members. Uh, lack of robustness and comprehensive quality assurance systems, uh, limited research uh, and development capacity, uh, poor sectoral uh, coordination, governance issues, uh, management of uh, universities and colleges. Uh, these, uh, uh, these are very uh, difficult uh, uh, issues for us. And uh, our thinking about reform uh, is in terms of adequate financing, and we've worked very, very hard uh, in the last two years, in particular to secure funding. The signals are very good. Uh, for example, about, uh, about two weeks ago, the Minister for uh, Finance and Treasury signed off on a half a billion, ki uh, half a billion kina for the higher education sector. Uh, I'm just disappointed that uh, being the university, I was given less than the uh, the other universities, <laughs> but all vice chancellors would uh, would uh, would uh, would uh, grumble about that. Um, not only that, uh, we have uh, uh, introduced proper uh, uh, planning into the the budget planning process uh, at a macro level uh, from the, uh, the departments, uh, uh, individual academic units right up to the administration. So you get a clear picture of the, uh, uh, of the, uh, the, the cost structure uh, of uh, uh, the university and unit cost of training a, a single student uh, over, a, over, over a period of four years uh, in our case. Um, uh, entrepreneurial culture, uh, that are stakeholder focused, uh, that's important consideration. Uh, we want to build that bridge uh, with the community and in particular the private sector uh, in PNG. They have a lot to offer. Uh, coordinated systems and processes, uh, legislative processes, I've talked about that, uh, improve resource and capacity uh, for innovation. And so let me go back to this slide. Uh, one, of, uh, one of the issues that uh, we have uh, 
we have, uh, for example, ICT challenges uh, in all universities. If you, uh, uh, if you get uh, onto the uh, website, you will find that uh, UPNG's website uh, has not been uh, updated uh, for, I don't know when, since about 10 years now. Uh, for, for those who observe UPNG, for example, the good news is that uh, uh, we will have a, um, uh, a very impressive website by August this year. Uh, that's one of the reforms. Uh, another reforms uh, in terms of uh, efficient service delivery is to link the university to the high, high education, uh, uh, Office of the Higher Education uh, in terms of uh, uh, communication uh, 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 issues relation to, in relation to budgeting uh, uh, and so forth. So we're trying to address that to reduce uh, uh, the time it takes uh, for uh, paper administration to uh, uh, to travel between different uh, uh, universities and the higher education uh, office. Uh, the poor salaries and conditions of academic and professional uh, staff has been uh, a huge uh, challenge for us. As a consequence, uh, many of our very talented academics have uh, left the universities for greener pasture. Uh, we're working right uh, now with uh, uh, the Office of Higher Education to uh, submit to government uh, uh, a very attractive uh, uh, salary package uh, for uh, university academics uh, uh, and hope to uh, uh, retain uh, those uh, uh, we have and uh, to attract others who have left the university and to also attract uh, new uh, uh, cadre of academics into uh, uh, to the uh, university. Um, Loss of confidence by stakeholders in the university governing bodies, size, I've talked about it very briefly, there's reform, reducing the council size. Uh, we've, uh, we've just completed a governance manual uh, of, uh, uh, of the university and one of that talks basically about a range of issues, but the, uh, the most important thing is uh, in terms of uh, uh, quality of council members that sit on, on councils uh, and uh, I sit on the, um, uh, one of the super funds in, in Papua New Guinea and the regulator, the Bank of PNG, has a very good guideline uh, in terms of uh, appointing members to uh, the, the boards of the uh, two super funds we have in PNG and we think uh, we, can, uh, we can learn from that experience and we've borrowed uh, the prudential guidelines uh, in terms of uh, appointing board members uh, to uh, the university councils. Uh, at the present time, there is no structure, and uh, it's basically uh, uh, why some of the uh, members of council have been sitting on council for a little over three decades, uh, uh, and so that's going that's that's going to change. Uh, uh, the higher education bill that I, I talked about is uh, you know it's uh, it's aggressive, uh, uh, but we think we've got the uh, you know the uh, the uh, 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 the politicians on site uh, to assist us uh, reform the sector. Uh, so uh, fit and proper persons uh, test uh, uh, because we value education, Papua New Guineans value education and, uh, uh, and so uh, uh, a lot depends on uh, how we conduct our business uh, in the higher education sector in terms of building that knowledge uh, uh, based society for ourselves. So um, it'll be uh, open expression uh, in terms of council. 
uh, luck and robust, robustness and comprehensive quality assurance, assurance systems. One of the uh, biggest uh, issues, and I'm going to move very quickly, is the uh, uh, academic audit. Uh, we're on track. Uh, one university has completed that. Uh, for UPND, we will complete ours in August uh, this year. Uh, it started off uh, very slowly, and uh, for those in academia, you would know that uh, when you want to introduce reforms and chains, uh, one of the challenges is to break the, if you like, the, the territories that uh, academics have uh, created for them, their the space. Who are you to come and uh, tell me <laughs> what, uh, what I know about economics or what I know about strategic management uh, or business management? Uh, limited uh, research and development capacity. Uh, we're, we're trying to find traction in that. Uh, one of the uh, uh, positives about this is uh, uh, that the, uh, the, the network that we have, we're bringing that in. I think the Australian government has invested in what we call uh, PACE, uh, PACENET uh, that brings the Pacific Island uh, researchers together. And so that's a platform uh, uh, that we work on. Uh, poor sectoral coordination. One of our biggest challenges is that uh, because our budget is, uh, the largest part of our grant is uh, funded by government, the relationship between the universities and, and government, uh, we're trying, uh, trying to uh, take control of that. So uh, these are some of our uh, uh, strategic focus area. I've talked about it. I don't need to uh, go through that. Uh, uh, access, equity, diversity, output is very important. Uh, industry and district alliance. Uh, that's, uh, that's where, you know, for example, uh, we get our open university village service the district because a lot of uh, money is going down to the uh, sub-national level, uh, to the local level government. And for the first time in Papua New Guinea, those who follow PNG politics, we have uh, candidates holding a doctorate degree now uh, contesting as council presidents. And that's, that's, a, that's a positive thing. Yeah. So let me just wrap up. So this, this is just some of the, uh, uh, some of the reforms uh, that's <coughs> taking place. It's early days, uh, but I'm very positive that we will uh, we'll get the first trigger with the change of the uh, Higher Education Act. Uh, that will trigger the change in the uh, respective University Act. Uh, acts, uh, in our case, uh, the provision on uh, uh, leadership governance uh, issue, uh, quality uh, assurance. Uh, I've talked about academic audit, but uh, there are audits in other areas like uh, physical infrastructure, uh, ICT, uh, and, uh, and others. Uh, so let me just give you a, a rundown on, on PNG. I think some of those uh, uh, issues are covered. We will look at it in Mosby for those who uh, don't know uh, where the University of Papua New Guinea is, National Capital District. The five schools of faculties, uh, Law, business, humanities, uh, social science, science, medicine, and allied health sciences. Uh, that's the challenge I have at the present time. I operate in a confined space in terms of business, but now I've got to deal with scientists and social scientists uh, and uh, uh, the medicals uh, in terms of managing a university. Uh, we have an open and flexible learning program with uh, open campuses and franchise arrangements in all other provinces of PNG, and roll up to about 15,000 students per year. Uh, we have a workforce of uh, 1,700 uh, full-time academic and administrative staff, plus another 300 uh, uh, casuals. Uh, the UPNG challenges are 
some of those that I've talked about. The big ticket item for us is uh, academic audit, and uh, we're moving through that, finding traction. Uh, we're reforming the uh, University Act so that uh, uh, it is uh, up to date uh, with contemporary uh, uh, world that we are a part of. Uh, ICT rollout uh, program, we were in several uh, phases. One of those uh, very soon is a new web uh, page for UPNG. And of course, improve plat uh, platforms for service delivery to our students and staff. Uh, that's what we want to uh, work on to uh, reduce the time it takes uh, on handling administrative or student uh, administrative uh, uh, challenges. Uh, so the high, high education sector in PNG is going through a, a very uh, interesting uh, period. Uh, uh, there are a lot of ideas, uh, some of those are not captured here. Uh, for example, one of the questions that uh, we are asking at UPNG at the present time is do, do we now do we now move away from a university that focuses on undergraduate and graduate, start, uh, graduate program to just graduate program? Uh, so that's one of the uh, thinking in terms of the, the reform. So the landscape is going to change in a big way. I am very positive about that. I am positive because it is owned by Papua New Guineans and it is driven by Papua New Guineans uh, based on benchmarking uh, that uh, uh, we know that exists around the globe. Thank you very much. I think we'll all agree that was an incredibly dynamic uh, presentation and uh, truly reflective of your skills, your disciplinary background in knowledge, culture and workforce change and innovation. Truly inspiring. We have time for questions, so if anybody would like to ask a question of Professor Mellon. Sorry, a number of my uh, professor, professors are here. Oh, well, there's an obligation, please. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. And then you can take over. It's a cultural thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Vice Chancellor, we heard from Peter Baxter, head of OZE, last night that the recommendations of the Garno report that funding from Australia for the tertiary sector should be matched by PNG contributions. But because the PNG contributions have not been put up, you've got, I forget the figure again, 100 million, I don't know, a lot of money sitting around waiting to be dispersed and used within the PNG tertiary sector. What, what's happening to the Garno Namalu report on university? The, uh, we haven't, uh, in the, in the uh, we haven't taken the whole, uh, Garno Namalu report in its entirety to implement it. Uh, we, we, we are facing uh, the, the issues that are raised and uh, for us uh, in terms of priority uh, one of the big uh, challenges uh, uh, financing uh, kina for kina that's uh, what's, what the arrangement is between uh, Australian government and PNG government uh, that's at a political level but uh, uh, at an operational level, we, uh, the, the education sector, uh, we have prepared, for example, uh, uh, what we think is our resource model, uh, so that government can then take carriage of that uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, an anchor that uh, uh, kina for kina uh, arrangement. Uh, the other one is academic audit, uh, as I have uh, uh, indicated. Uh, uh, the Australian government has ordered uh, uh, this uh, 
exercise by uh, uh, bringing in uh, uh, people who are knowledgeable uh, in terms of uh, academia to assist us in terms of uh, undertaking the, uh, the, uh, the audit of the, the university. So, uh, for example, Divine Water has uh, gone through that, uh, uh, UPNG is going through that, uh, not just internal audit, but uh, uh, also uh, uh, <coughs> in the sense that the stakeholders have an input uh, in, uh, uh, in terms of the audit and the expectations of uh, what a graduate profile would look for them coming out of the, the respective universities. So for example, with UPNG, the business community is uh, involved uh, in providing feedback on uh, the expectations of the kind of graduates we should, we should pro uh, produce. So you know, it's, it, it, it's happening, but it's, uh, it's not uh, as fast as one would like. So I wanted to thank you very much for that uh, update, and also to congratulate you on your decided appointment, as well as uh, for the bold and very encouraging message that you are <coughs> attempting to put uh, into the university to lift it uh, another to the level that it was before, one of the best higher tertiary institutions in, in, in the Pacific. I'm wondering, sir, how far are you in that aspiration uh, from what it is now to where you want to, to get it to? For me, it's six months. <laughs> I've been in office for six months, so personally, my, uh, my aspirations is for six months. But uh, in terms of finding uh, traction, uh, uh, we're just coming out of the, um, if you like, the, uh, the development stage, the thinking stage, the one or two that we think we can uh, achieve uh, results very quickly uh, and uh, also very critical for the uh, reputation of uh, the universities. Uh, we run the, you know, the, the challenge of reputational risk, academic audit for example, uh, that's, uh, that's probably the uh, baram uh, barometer in which uh, you know, the international community uh, uh, assess us. Uh, so we, we, we take control of that. As you know, uh, most Pacific uh, Islands country, and including Papua New Guinea, our uh, market is very small in terms of the pool of students uh, coming through uh, our universities and higher education sector. Uh, so we will continue to depend on uh, uh, grants uh, from governments, our respective governments. Uh, and so uh, for PNG, uh, as an example, uh, higher education is not priority. Uh, but uh, someone who teaches in strategy uh, uh, I've got an opportunity now for UPNG in the sense that the Minister for uh, 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 Finance is also the uh, Acting Minister for Higher Education. And so if I can leverage that uh, uh, and bringing, uh, bringing him into the university, he, he was able to appreciate what we talked about in terms of rundown uh, infrastructure, uh, aged or aging infrastructure at university. Uh, and so he's, uh, he's very committed uh, to driving the uh, reforms uh, in, the, uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the higher education sector. Uh, just to demonstrate uh, as a case in point uh, how committed he was, uh, on the day uh, I was to travel here, I got a call from him at about 1.30 in the morning just to go and meet him uh, because he was interested in putting a proposal through NEC 
for, for government uh, funding, not just for UPNG, but uh, for the entire sector in terms of uh, uh, further strengthening and consolidating our ICT system. Uh, and so uh, I guess that's an illustration of the, the political will and the political commitment uh, to reform the higher education sector in UPNG. I sit on a number of private sector boards, sir, uh, and, uh, and uh, I, uh, a couple of occasions I, uh, I lost my psychological balance uh, <laughs> in the context of uh, deciding on the, uh, the uh, pay package of uh, the CEO and uh, deputy CEO who were my students. <laughs> so yes, I totally agree. <laughs> You showed the total graduate from year 12, and when you combine the universities with the technical education, it's still short. So what are the opportunities for expanding access to tertiary education in New Guinea? For, for technical education? For both sectors. Okay. What are the opportunities? So the law example is one example when there are many students being turned away. Yeah. What, what is the government committed to access? It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a very good question. Uh, I can give you a real example. Uh, as one of the reforms, uh, the, the pathway between technical uh, vocational education and higher education, uh, educa uh, education sector is not clear. Uh, but we have met twice, uh, late last year and about four weeks ago, 
uh, to clear the pact. There's, there's a lot of good students coming in. Uh, the, uh, for example, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the extractive industry and how it has, uh, uh, has had an impact on the economy of uh, uh, PNG uh, illustrate to us very clearly uh, that uh, we, we are lacking in terms of uh, uh, human resource in the technical area. And so that became the trigger and allowed us, allowed us to focus on where the gaps might be. Uh, and so it became very clear to us that uh, uh, you know, one of the uh, reforms is to, clear, uh, to clearly articulate a part uh, where students coming off from technical uh, colleges have a clear part into the university. Uh, that's not clear. Uh, uh, and so that, that's just uh, in terms of technical education. Uh, we're also looking at the platform of uh, uh, allowing students to, uh, to switch subjects uh, you know, from a technical uh, vocational uh, background to management, for example, uh, and so that we can then absorb more students uh, coming through uh, 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 that space. Uh, over and above that, uh, we think, uh, uh, and we, that's still uh, uh, in the development states, we think maybe uh, an open university structure that's probably uh, subsumed under uh, an existing structure so that we don't increase the uh, head of the course, increase the course, maybe at the university would allow for a lot of good students who are you know, A's and B's who miss out, uh, university can go through uh, uh, this, this structure. So at the present time, uh, we're working very closely with the Malaysian government. Uh, uh, I think one of the best models in our region is the Malaysian Open University uh, to, to see if we can learn from that model uh, because uh, uh, our experience is uh, almost identical to the, to the Malaysian experience. Uh, and uh, that have freed up uh, access uh, to a lot of Malaysians uh, uh, to access higher education. They don't necessarily have to come to Mosby. Uh, uh, but if we've got uh, our IT platforms right, we can, uh, we can run a lot, lot of our programs like here. Yeah. I think we have time for one more question. Uh, Vice-Chancellor, thank you very much for your address. Uh, <coughs> is there a survey of graduates to find out what uh, positions they're going into? Uh, and that would provide a valuable uh, feedback to people in uh, providing the courses to see what's happening to their graduates. Yes, we, we do. Uh, uh, the higher education sector conducts the survey. That's part of the data that allows us to, this has allowed us to uh, think about the reforms in terms of exiting into uh, the different professions. And we, we uh, from the data, we appreciate that uh, we uh, handicap in terms of a lot of students going into technical education. A lot of them seem to, business and management seem to be very attractive. Uh, and so uh, there's a skill shortage in the technical area. And so uh, the, uh, we're looking at uh, several uh, options to try and make the technical uh, uh, education uh, attractive. Uh, perhaps starting at the, uh, you know, the, the primary or what we call it uh, community school and encourage uh, 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 more uh, interest in the, science and technical uh, related disciplines and uh, also provide the students a very clear pathway as I have indicated to the uh, Deputy Vice-Chancellor uh, that students coming out to the technical vocational education at the present time thinks that's the end of the road mm -hmm. uh, but they have this option to go to uh, our uh, uh, at, least at the present time one university 
that offers technical programs, uh, so offer them a clear path uh, so that you don't have access who are, who, uh, who are hopeless and uh, feel they are not valued by society. Uh, so we are trying to, uh, in the spirit of this transformation, uh, bring everyone together uh, as we move towards uh, uh, transforming uh, the higher education sector and uh, contributing to nation building. Tremendous sort of homework to finish. Can you please all join me in? <laughs>